Hello, my friends. Oof, this piece uh, just kind of flowed right out today. And it's a longer one, so um, I'm hoping that this recording is something that makes it more possible for you to read the whole thing, listen to the whole thing. So this piece is called Co-Sleeping, Sleep Training, and My Story. And this is under the subject of motherhood. Here we go. This is a piece that has been asking to be written for a long time. I have been wrestling with a lot of feelings and judgments about the way I've chosen to approach sleep with my babies. I've alluded to my experiences and shared snippets of my thoughts, but in light of the co-sleeping versus sleep training debate going on, it felt like it was time for me to come out on this subject. I am laying it all out on the table at the very real risk of being judged harshly and inciting a lot of activation from other mothers on both sides of this debate because I do not fall into one category or the other. And trust me, no one could judge me more harshly than I have already judged myself at times. This is where I'll begin. What has worked for, for my family's sleep lies somewhere in the middle of co-sleeping and sleep training. I will say first that I am a proponent of doing whatever works to get a family's basic needs for sleep met. So this is not some diatribe about what you should or shouldn't do for yours or your baby's sleep. I am simply sharing my experience and what has worked for our family. I am doing this because there are places I wish I had felt a little more softness and room for nuance in the collective for the incredibly painful spots I've been in as I've opened to concepts I thought I never would to get our family's sleep needs met. And this is my first tenant I would like to share. Sleep is a family-wide need and should be considered as such. Every member of the family needs sleep. Mamas need sleep as much as babies need sleep. Papas need sleep as much as mamas. Babies and toddlers need sleep. Everyone needs sleep to be healthy, grounded, and sane. And everyone's sleep should be valued. When Alma was born, I was under the impression that babies would simply sleep when they are tired. I didn't get all the stress about I didn't get all the stress about sleep. I was going to do it like our ancestors and just sleep when my baby slept and with her, and it would be all cozy and wonderful. This is actually, this actually worked pretty well for the, until about six months. At six months, all of a sudden, Alma was waking up 20 times a night to nurse. And because nursing was how I got her to go to sleep, I would be waking up and flipping her from side to side all night long. I wasn't putting her down for intentional naps and I wasn't really asking for help. I found out I was pregnant with Maya at this time. By the time Alma was eight months old, she had stopped napping during the day other than little 20-minute cat naps at the breast and continued to wake multiple times an hour at night. She was beyond overtired. I was bone-deep exhausted, and the prospect of having another newborn baby in seven months made me feel like I might die. So we made one of the best decisions of our parenthood journey and hired a sleep coach to work with us on Alma's sleep. Working with a gentle sleep coach, meant we committed fully to a set nap schedule for Alma. This meant every day our top priority was getting Alma to sleep at certain times. My husband and I walked for hours and hours daily just to get Alma to sleep in the carrier or stroller because she would not sleep any other way for months. 
We also started the process of night weaning and having my husband put her down for bedtime and being the one to comfort her when she woke up in the night. As her naps became more consistent and her systems started to relax, she wasn't so overtired. She started sleeping better during the night too. When Alma was around 12 months, she was sleeping on her own, in her own room, on a floor bed for 12 hours a night. We did zero, cry it out, and we never left her by herself while she was awake. She would lay, we would lay with her until she would fall asleep and then leave. We still do this. We sit in the room and sing until she falls asleep. If she does wake up in the night and starts crying, we go over to her room and comfort her until she goes back to sleep. She is two and a half now. I've heard it said that sleep training is for the convenience of the parents, but that is in no way true for us. We did this gentle and committed form of sleep training for our family. When she was only napping 20 minutes at a time and waking up 20 times a night, that wasn't good for anyone in our family's sleep. We committed to this gentle form of sleep training, which was actually really creating a clear rhythm for her days, which allowed her nervous system to relax and unwind and let go more and more easily. As much as our bodies and development are evolved to function best in a hunter-gatherer-like society, we do not live in one. We live in a world with constant nervous system stimulation from blue light to traffic to pesticides in our food. Modern mamas and babies' nervous systems are nowhere near as regulated as a mama and baby living off the land, rising and sleeping by the sun, spending most of their days in nature, and being surrounded by helpful tribe and family members. So this is my second tenet. It may be completely evolutionarily appropriate for babies to bed share, but if the mama's nervous system is severely unregulated by modern life, blue light, stress of a job, taking responsibility for a disproportionate load of the childcare duties, pesticide-ridden food, nutrient-poor food, etc., and then you add lack of sleep on top of all of that, it's not going to go well for either mama or baby. Mama's nervous system is what regulates baby's nervous system, and baby's nervous system is a very sensitive. In the book Hunt, Gather, Parent, the author talks about how she hears very little crying in a Mayan community she is visiting, even though there are many, many babies around. She talks about how in an Inuit family she spends time with, the only time she hears crying at night is when there has been a new baby born and the mom is weaning the toddler. We do not live in hunter-gatherer societies, and to put pressure on ourselves to feel like we need to live and thrive in the same way hunter and gatherers did isn't leaving room for where we're actually at. It doesn't allow us to be fully honest with ourselves. If bed sharing and co-sleeping is working for you and your family's sleeping needs are met, that is wonderful. I can't say how much I yearn for and deeply wish this had been the case for our family. When Maya was born, my eyes had been opened to the importance of naps and sleep routines, so we let her sleep whenever and however for the first three months or so and then moved into the three naps a day routine. At night, she slept in a bassinet next to me or right up against me in bed. This worked well until about that six-month mark again, when she started waking up more and more frequently at night. Again, we got to a point where she was waking up every hour, and unlike Alma, she was not easy to nurse back to sleep. She would scream and cry and refuse the nipple and only fall back asleep in motion. When Maya was around eight months, I nightweaned her, hoping that this would stop some of the constant night wakings and screaming, and also around this time was when my insomnia started flaring up. 
Any little noise would leave me awake for hours and hours. Screaming in the middle of night of the night left me raw and wired, and it was just a terrible feedback loop. The more fried I felt, the more agitated Maya would get. My husband spent a lot of nights walking around aimlessly with Maya in the carrier in the wee hours of the morning or sitting up in bed half asleep rocking her while I tried to sleep in the guest bedroom. Alma would still wake up at least once each night at this point and had started roaming around the house or just coming over to our room. These days were spent, the days were spent putting the family sleep before anything else. Each day was just a moment by moment approach to getting by. The exhaustion for all of us left us feeling exposed and tight. My husband and I worked very little and rested during the day a lot. I had acupuncture, chiropractic, naturopathic medicine, and more appointments and started working on downregulating my nervous system as if it was my job. It was the most important thing to me and is. We tried bringing Alma back to our room. She would wiggle around in bed and wake up every two hours, waking my husband and I and Maya up. We moved Alma back to her room as one wake up a night was much better than multiple wake ups. We started gentle sleep training with Maya where we would put her in the pack and play and sit next and sit next to her while she fell asleep. The first few nights we did this, she would scream and scream and it felt like it was ripping my heart in two. I would lay next to her and pat her and sing and imagine our hearts connected together by a string. I would cry with her until she fell asleep. And the thing was, she started to stay asleep through the night. She would wake up and cry a little, but go right back to sleep with some pats on the butt. This was not in any way, shape, or form convenient for me, nor was it easy. It might be one of the most painful things I've ever done. If I could have slept with her next to me in my bed without being woken up 20 times or even just being woken up four times, I would have. I want to sleep with her. But it most definitely was better for her sleep and for my sleep and for our family's sleep. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've made a terrible mistake. Maybe there was, is something else I should have tried. Maybe I haven't read the right books. What I do know is that my girls are deeply loved and cared for. I do know that I would inconvenience myself to the max if it meant that they would be better off. I do know that getting sleep is one of the most important ways for me to regulate my nervous system. I do know that having a mother with a regulated nervous system is what is in service to my entire family. I know that the health of my family is one of the the most deeply held values I have. Now, the girls sleep in their room, their own room together. Alma sleeps on the bottom bunk and Maya sleeps in her pack and play next to Alma. Bedtimes are easy and involve very few tears. Most nights they sleep through the night and sometimes my husband has to go into their room and sing one of them back to sleep. My sleep is regulating. I can sleep three to four hours at a time normally and go back to sleep relatively easily after I've woken up. And it really is a chicken or egg conundrum. Am I sleeping better because the girls are sleeping better or are they sleeping better because I am? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. We are connected and we always will be. And I'll make mistakes, big ones and small ones. So will they. And I can't think of any more important lesson I could impart to my girls than modeling how to love and not abandon yourself through the places that feel shaky and unsure. The older I get and the more experiences I have, the more I really find there is never one right way. 
as mothers, we need to give ourselves more grace to find the ways that work for us and our families, to find the ways that allow us to be all the things we desire to be, to not get stuck in ruts and righteous crusades, but instead to give each other the space and the trust to find our own ways. Valuing the mother isn't about having every mother mother the same way in the future. It's about trusting our inner mother to lead the way right now. So this is my piece and my um, kind of like whole, whole sleep story. Of course, there's always more details. There's always pieces I left out, um, but, you know, or that, you know, weren't weren't, didn't, didn't make the cut, I guess, to the piece. Um, and, you know, honestly, a lot of the reason that I'm writing it is because I felt a lot of judgment from people in the co-sleeping bed sharing community. Um, and, you know, this like real attachment, righteous attachment to like the one way that this should be done. And it's just not true. And like I said, I could I could have done a lot of these things wrong and maybe I don't, you know, I don't know everything and it's true, but I did my best and I, I valued the health of my family and I feel, I feel pretty dang sure that I did the right thing in this situation. Um, and, you know, I could always, I could always go back on that. I could always find new information or, um, and I'm, and I'm also saying that like, it was not easy. Like none of this felt easy. None of this felt like I knew for sure. Um, but I needed sleep and my babies needed sleep because they both had a really hard time sleeping, um, in the bed sharing situation. Like I said, after that six month mark. So this piece about valuing the mother isn't about having every mother mother the same way in the future. It's about trusting our inner mother to lead their way right now. That's really, really important because we don't want to get frozen in like, what if I'm doing something wrong? We have to, we have to give ourselves the space uh, and the value to, to do, to do what we see as best right now, because that's all we have right? We're just in the, in the moment. And, uh, I feel like there's a lot I want to say about this. Um, but it's a long piece and I just wrote it and I'm ready to go have dinner. <laughs> so, um, maybe I'll write more about this as it percolates. I would love to hear from you guys, you know, what lands, what, if you have questions, if you don't agree, if you want me to know something, um, always connected conversation is so welcome. So thank you. And, um, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>